Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dear Asian Americans. I'm Marva Shi, your host for the month of April. Today, I'm so honored to have one of my favorite people on the internet, Inka Lam, on the show. Inka is one of the most dedicated food producers at BuzzFeed. Not only is she a tasty creator, but she is now one of the co-leads and talent behind a new BuzzFeed channel about to eat, further exploring a world of food through a unique perspective. You might know her from her 24-hour challenges and viral food content where she tackles indulgent food dishes that break the internet. I've been following her content on YouTube for several years now, and I'm so excited to have her here today. Thanks, Inka. Good. How's it going? Uh, It's going good. I know your week's been hectic, but yeah, so glad to have you here today. Yeah, excited to excited to chat for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we'll just dive right in then. Um, so we usually start by talking about how you slash your family came to the U.S. Uh, I know in your bio, you mentioned growing up across like a bunch of different places like Hong Kong, Taiwan, and the U.K. So tell me a little bit more about that. What was your childhood like? Yeah, so... Um... I grew up in Hong Kong. I, I went to school in Hong Kong for pretty much 18 years of my life. And um, the reason I always say I spent a lot of time in Taiwan is because my mom's from Taiwan and we're very close to her family in Taiwan. And that's why I think growing up, we spent a lot of time there, you know, like summer breaks or like winter breaks, we would go there, spend time with our grandparents. So yeah, I feel like I've been in Asia for most of my life. Um, and then I kind of came back here when I was uh, 18, uh, went to international school and then college here. And then, you know, now I'm in New York. But, you know, I think I think that's why just like when I talk about my experience, I always want to say like I, I feel like my Asian-American experience is a little different than like, um, you know, somebody who maybe was born and raised here because I, I feel like I, I came at a later later age. Um, and most of my experience was shaped by growing up in, in Hong Kong and seeing the things there. So did you were you like born in the US and then your parents like raised you in Hong Kong and Taiwan? Or was it yeah. like you you were like born in Hong Kong and like raised in Hong Kong? That was a good question. Um, I was born so I was born in Oakland, California. And then um, oh, cool. but I was raised in Hong Kong. Yeah. The idea was for us to like come back here, you know, eventually, um, but just like life and my dad's work and all that stuff. So we ended up growing up in, in Hong Kong instead. What was that like? Like, I have not grown up in Asia, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you feel like there's a difference between you and like your peers who grew up in the US? Or like, how does that feel when you like talk to people who are who do like more identify with that kind of like Asian American born and raised experience yeah I mean are there differences and similarities of course there is you know I mean I think talking to my Asian American friends here that were you know born and raised here there's a lot of like I think like just upbringing you know like things about like um, Asian culture like whether it's like taking shoes off at home things like that that I never really questioned I think to me that was just the norm Right. Um, because in Asia, that that was just the way it is. And I think um, like you don't really realize that things are different. Right. Until you're pulled out of that bubble. So for me, I didn't realize how um, how much of my values or my perspective was shaped by growing up in Asia until I came here. And I think I learned a lot of things that I was like, oh, this is not the way. So it was kind of like that culture shock. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody experiences that a little bit. And um so, so I, yeah, I think it definitely made a difference in terms of just like how I see the world. Um, I mean, there's a lot I could talk about that as well. Just like, 
I think growing up in Asia as well is just the idea of, you know, I think for me, the idea of like being in America was, you know, how there's like the American dream and all that stuff about like people are, to me, it's always felt like I, I've always been a very creative person. I think I've always loved being creative. And to me, it was just like, I feel like coming to America was something that could let, help me let that flourish a little bit. Whereas in Asia, I think people are like, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I should just say like, I think growing up in Hong Kong and the environment I was in, I feel like my peers around me, they were more locked into like how maybe society wanted them to be, you know, I think there Mm -hmm. was less of that sort of creative freedom. So that definitely also made an impact on me, I think, eventually, just like trying to break out of that stereotype. Having talked about like growing up in Asia, I'd love to know more about what it was like when you actually came to America and like saw people. I know you said like it was different and like realizing that you were this was not necessarily the norm and like culturally like people were different. Um, So what was that like? For me, it was also a very special experience because I mean, I came here when I was 18. I went to an international school. I went to international school in New Mexico. Um, And the school is called, I don't know if people are familiar with it, but it's called United World College. And I think their philosophy is really cool where they actually want people to, people of different countries to interact with each other. So on campus, there was only like 200 students, but like almost like every other student was from a different country. So it was literally like being, think about like you're being pulled out of like your comfort zone, right? Like the bubble you're in, into this place where you're almost encouraged to represent your culture to represent your identity because it's so like so much of that experience was about sharing your upbringing with each other and I think that experience for me really helped me kind of what's the word I think that experience for me really kind of made me contemplate a lot about my identity you know because it was the first time that I had to really think about like oh I'm Asian I'm Chinese you know I'm from Hong Kong and Taiwan these are the things that I had to start saying to people right and like Mm because I think growing up in Hong Kong you don't think about it as much because everybody around you has like such shared like same shared experiences but going to international school like people would ask you like oh what is Hong Kong like you know what is like is it a city or like um do like what languages do people speak there what kind of traditions do you have so I think it was it was a really cool it was a really cool sort of um I want to say prompt, but not prompt, but just like it was, I think basically it was the first time I really had to reflect and just really think about who I was representing, like what I was. It sounds, sounds like, okay, that sounds a little weird when I put it like that, but, but I think it, it truly was like going to that, going to UWC really kind of made me think a lot more about what it meant to be Asian, you know, or Asian American. That's really interesting. I have a lot of friends who have like, gone to school in Asia and gone to international school in Asia. But I haven't really heard about like, kind of like flipped going to international school in America. So that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, I I have to I also have to clarify, because I feel like when people say international school, they have like a certain expectation of what that's like I feel like the school I went to it was a little bit we call it international school but I just think the um maybe the model was a little bit different because we have campuses around the world as well like there is a UWC in Hong Kong there's a UWC in um 
Germany, university in um, Swaziland. So like, just like, so it's really cool. Um, and I, I learned a lot. I think I'm curious about like your journey, like into college, because I am a college aged person um, at university right now. Um, just like having looked through like your LinkedIn a little bit, I know you didn't major in film. So like what inspired you to get into like content creation, like eventually like food content? I majored in, I, I love that you like stalked my LinkedIn page. That's funny. Um, I did not major in film. I majored in psychology, which was also something I was very interested in. And, um, but I think for me, I actually, I've always, I mean, growing up, I loved watching movies. I feel like watching movies was a big thing that my, my dad, my dad was super into like watching movies. So obviously we grew up watching a lot of movies and um, I didn't really consider film as a career until actually I think I took a freshman film course it was it wasn't what was it it was like it was introduction to film studies I think it was the first time where I had to like analyze films um and I was like oh this is super cool like is film studies or filmmaking something I can pursue you know um and Unfortunately, uh, the college I went to in Idaho, it did not offer film as a major. So I think I kind of, I thought about transferring out because I was like, oh, I really want to explore this opportunity. But um, eventually I chose to stay in Idaho. And what I did instead was I just wanted to continue developing this new interest, right, of like pursuing film, learning more about what it even does, uh, what it even means to be in that world. Um, I've dabbled in like video editing before. So I knew that I was... I liked it, you know, I just never thought of it as like a career move. And so even though I majored in psychology, I just started doing a lot of things that would teach me more about filmmaking, right? So whether it was like starting the film organization on campus, or like, I literally reached out to the marketing department. And I was just like, I know we have a YouTube channel. Is there any way I can help with that? Um, and at that point, like they've never done like video interns or whatever before. So they were a little like, uh, I'm not sure, but eventually, um, yeah, I became their first ever video intern and it was great. I think honestly, and even to this day, I am so grateful for, um, Randall. Randall was the guy who, um, he kind of, he led the video department. He was also like the only video person, but I'm going to say he led the video department. Um, and he, he basically taught me my video 101. You know, he taught me how to use different video editing software, like kind of, uh, you know, and how to film different things. I remember one of my first assignments was to film a football game. I did not know how, like, I didn't even, I knew nothing about American football. So I was just like <laughs> running around the field with this like huge camera. But it was so great. I think I, I truly uh, learned so much for him, from him. And um, from there, right, I think then I started doing just like more internships or like, you know, summer, I just spend, I ended up working at a lot of, I think, documentary production companies, mm -hmm. just to learn more about what that was like in different roles. And um, slowly, so that kind of helped me slowly build my resume, if you will, but also, also for me to figure out like what I liked and what I didn't like, right. So for example, I realized that I, re I was really into video editing, and I really liked being able to tell stories. So I think that just really helps in terms of like, I already forgot your question, by the way. I like just like <laughs> started okay. rambling on. But no, no, yeah, no, this I think, is totally related. Okay, good. Because I, I was, I know you asked a little bit about the UK before. And the reason I was in the UK was because I did a study abroad 
for a semester to um, study film, actually. And um, just like, so I wanted, I wanted to learn about it through like an academic lens to see like, is it film studies I'm more interested in? But it turns out that I was just, I really wanted to make videos, you know? And um, Mm -hmm. so from there on, I think I also was just like on the side, like as an interest, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos. Um, Crazy thing is, you know, I still remember the day when I was in secondary school, um, or is it mm-hmm. primary school? Secondary school in Hong Kong, which is, I don't know what that translates to over here, but secondary school. It was like maybe like, I was maybe in like, like high school, middle school. Yeah. Maybe, like I was maybe in like the seventh, eighth, ninth grade. I don't know. One of those. And I just remember the girl next to me saying to her friend, like, have you heard of this website called YouTube? Like, it's crazy. It's like, I was there when YouTube first started. And, um, but I've always watched a lot of YouTube and, you know, I think at that time in college, I was watching a lot of like BuzzFeed and Tasty videos. So I think digital media was when, like, I think basically to me, when I, when I thought of digital media, I thought of BuzzFeed and I was like, this is the kind of stuff that I am interested in making because you can be involved in like the entire process, right? As opposed to like yeah. a Hollywood film, you'll probably just be a small part of it. So I think that's kind of what, it's a long, it's kind of like a long journey-ish, but it, it's, kind of what kick-started I guess my 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 uh journey into film and media no that's really cool I am also trying to figure out like what I want to do in the future <laughs> not to make this about me but like I I think it's cool that you found that you wanted to be involved in like the whole process from like start to finish um rather than like you know being like a PA and then being like a and then, like, moving on into, like, some specialized role on, like, a big set, right? First of all, you should totally make it about you. Like, why not? But I I just want to say, too, that, like, I feel like a lot of times in college, we feel like we need to know the answer, like, right now. Like, we need to figure it out. And I feel like you, you don't, you know? I think when you're still young, it's good to try out as many things as you want, you know, before you lock yourself in. Because I feel like if I had just locked myself in into one role, I would not have gotten to like the realization uh, like that I have today, you know? So, so I think if that's one thing to take away is just to, to try out different things, do different things and figure out what you like, because I feel like that's a lot more rewarding overall. Were like your family and your parents supportive of what you wanted to do, like transitioning from like being a very like traditional major to let me be a concrete content creator in the future. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, they weren't like super happy about it in the beginning, you know, I mean, I mean, because 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 and I don't blame them, like, I, I think, for them, right, they didn't even know what being a content creator meant. None of my yeah. parents, like, my, my dad and my mom, they didn't watch YouTube, they didn't even know what YouTube was. So when I was telling them, like, I'm going to start working for BuzzFeed on this thing called YouTube, I'm going to make videos, they're just like, what are you doing? Um, but I think, so my dad, I th- my dad's always been, I think, more of a creative person, um, but he is still a dad. And so he was very much like, I support you, but like, if you're going to go into filmmaking, you better get like an Academy Award eventually. And I was just like, I think we're doing, I'm, I'm not doing, I was trying to explain to him, it's not Hollywood <laughs> film, it's more digital media. But um, so that's my dad, um, very supportive, but he wants me to be the best of the best, right, as, as all parents mm-hmm. do. Um, whereas my mom, I think, was a little more 
concerned um, because, I mean, I think moms are there to look out for us. And I know that a lot of us, when we turn to create the creative industry, we know that it's very hard to, to break into or like mm-hmm. to be successful in it. So um, even though my mom, my mom had a little bit of like journalism background, she used to be a journalist very briefly. So I think she was more worried than anything. And of course she was like, you know, she would ask me every time I called her, she would, she would always end me like, well, you know, if you ever want to go back to like studying law, it's okay. Like it's never too late. So, so, I mean, I did get a lot of those until I think finally we, I got to a point where my videos started performing really well on, 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 you know, the platform. And she started, I think both of my parents, then they tried to, they try to under, and this is something I really appreciate, but I think both of my parents really tried to start understanding what it meant for me to be a content creator, they started watching more content, like not just my content, but general content on YouTube. And um, now they're like, now they're both super supportive. And that's something that I'm, I'm very grateful for, too, because I, I know how hard it can be. And I feel like for us, like, as an Asian slash Asian American, I think that's something that will, that's always going to be really important to me that I want to make my parents proud. And so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that they they support me now. My, I was literally just on like a call with my mom and I, was, I brought it up to her. I was like, you know, I get a lot of questions about like whether you support me or not. And she was like, it's okay. You can tell them that like I did not support you in the beginning. <laughs> That's really interesting. That's so funny. I Yeah, I think I'm in a similar position because uh, my parents aren't really like, aren't really literate with like digital mm-hmm. media. Like, both of my parents were, like, chemical engineers in college. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I was, I was just kind of, like, wondering about that, like, general thing of, like, when your parents aren't, like, that literate in the media or, like, they don't have, like, a network for you. Like, what were some of, like, the other challenges that you experienced? I know you said your university also didn't have, like, a film program to support you. So, like, how did you end up getting those resources and like knowledge to get into like these internships to you know like to become the content creator that you are today yeah I mean I think in terms of like that challenge of you know being in a space where let's say the opportunity I was like okay this opportunity isn't there but to me I think I just took that as I think for me, I just took it as a sign of like, well, if I'm not going to be able to have this opportunity, how do I make other opportunities for myself, you know? And so I was like, okay, this door has closed, but it sounds so cheesy, but it really was like, okay, I can't go through this door, but what are the other doors I can go through, right? And I so I think my journey really involved a lot of just like taking initiative, you know? Um, like, I, I, I think I'm also, I was also very lucky to have some amazing mentors who like they gave me really good advice. Like when I told, um, I think one of the faculty members, like, "Hey, I just I want to learn about film. Do you have any suggestions on on what I can do?" And like one of the recommendations they had was like, "Why don't you start an organization? I'm sure there are other like minded people like you." And so that's how I ended up doing that. And once I you know started doing that thing and it worked for me, I was like, "Okay, now what else can I do?" So I think it was just like. I think throughout my college life, I was just like super proactive about a lot of things, you know, sometimes it is. And, and I think that's true for a lot of us, even now in this industry where I think our beginnings is like, literally it's like humble beginnings where you actually do have to 
do a lot of things without being asked to. You know, I think something I always tell people is like, you can tell somebody how much you love one thing, but nothing is going to show them better of how much you love it by, by actually doing it. Right. I could tell you, I could talk to you for two hours about one thing, but if I show you a video I actually made to illustrate how much I love video editing or filmmaking, isn't that so much stronger than just me saying things? So I think for me that, that really is what helped me overcome that challenge. I just, Mm -hmm. I guess I just didn't take no for an answer. I was like, okay, fine. That's a no, but how do I make these other things into a yes? And, um, yeah, I really think that helped me a lot throughout my journey. And and like, actually, yeah, the, the video that I submitted as part of my uh, job application to BuzzFeed, it was actually a video that I created um, when I was working for the marketing department at the college. So it really is like a direct thing. Like I wouldn't have been, I probably wouldn't have been able to get into BuzzFeed if I hadn't taken that opportunity and learned from, you know, um, the, the department. So so yeah. All right. So then once you got into BuzzFeed, how did you start getting into food content? Yeah. Um, so once I got into BuzzFeed, I so I got it so I got into BuzzFeed as part of the fellowship program. So it was for BuzzFeed video and not like the other platforms. I know BuzzFeed has like so many different channels, but um the fellowship program at that time I mean it changes over the years but at that time the fellowship program was structured in a way that I think it was like rotational where even though I was um I was hired as like a video uh even though I was hired as a video fellow I still like got to experience like what it's like to work on the social publishing team what it works what it's like to be on the editorial team uh like like for the buzz.com posts like writing writing sorry I'm like trying to think of I feel like in my head I'm only thinking I'm talking about it like internally BuzzFeed that's how we (laughs) we talk we're like dot com people um but yeah so I wrote articles for a little bit I was on publishing team for a little bit and then I eventually did did video and I've always been very interested in food yeah I've always been very interested in food I love cooking I love eating and I wanted to be part of Tasty but Tasty didn't accept me as part of their fellow. So I, I uh, yeah, I just did BuzzFeed. But, but what I love about BuzzFeed Video too is that because it's not just confined to a certain niche, it allows you to, again, explore a lot of different things, right? Like I didn't mm-hmm. just have to work on food. I could work on lifestyle videos. I could work on other transformation videos, like all different types of stuff. Which was, again, I think great for me because as somebody who at that time, you know, I think a lot of us, we always worry about like, what is our voice? You know, what am I meant to do? I think that period of trial and error uh, really helped kind of shape my narrative. The first video I ever did was actually, I think, Asian Americans try Asian Halloween costumes. Um, so, you know, how there's like a lot of problematic Halloween costumes. Yeah. Um, and just like having people comment on them as they tried them on. And it's very different, very different content compared to what I do now. But I think it was for me, like really interesting to see the feedback of like people and like kind of the conversations it, it, um, led to. And I think that also made me think a lot about like, okay, I I want people to talk more about culture. I want people to share more about their stories. What is another way? for me to be able to connect with the audience, you know, even people, let's say outside of the Asian, Asian American audience. And I think that's when I started um, just like thinking about 
food a lot, right? Because, well, one is because I love food. And I know that when I talk about food, I get really excited. And that's how people that I am talking to end up getting really excited. So I was like, okay, let's try it. And so I think the second video I ever did was actually people try gourmet instant ramen from around the world, um, which is, uh, which to me, like, was like, at first, I was like, I remember pitching this and I was saying, I don't know how interesting that is to people because to me, instant ramen is like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like for us, like Shin Ramen <laughs> and like all the, like, it's like, there's so many amazing yeah. brands, but like over here, I feel like people only know one, one brand, you know, like the most, I guess the most like stripped down basic version. I didn't realize too, like how interesting or like how you, not unique, but like how how people over here may not know about the amazing like varieties we have in Asia. So um, yeah, I ended up doing that video and the feedback was so great. You know, I think um, whether it was the people internally, like the talent internally, like seeing their reactions to like trying, um, I don't know, an instant ramen from Japan for the first time, or like the feedback we got in the comments, like people were like, wow, this is so cool. I didn't know this existed on the other side of the world. And I think that's when it, kind of, you know, a light went off in my head. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want people to watch my videos and learn something, but like, I, but you know, in a way that doesn't feel like you're being taught a lesson, you know, but it's more like almost like sharing something really cool with your friend. And I think that's slowly how like I got into just making more food content. Eventually I started, um, should I just stop here? I feel like I just go off on it. No, keep going. This is like, <laughs> this is this is literally like what I wanted to know. Uh, okay, I mean, okay. This is like what you're passionate about. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm like, God, this is why I was like, don't get me on a podcast because I just talk forever. Um, no, that's but, um, the point. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, okay. I w- no, I was going to say, because um, so that like light bulb moment, whatever, and then I had actually, so the first time I ended up being on camera cooking or making something was um, when I did Dragonbeard's Candy. I think the video title is I tried to make, oh no, I made the impossible cotton, hand-pulled cotton candy from ancient China, right? And um, I'm pretty sure I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, the, the, I, was, I always tell people like, I didn't, I wasn't intending on being in that video. I was trying so hard to find somebody like, you know, like an actual like Dragonbeard's candy master. I went to Flushing and I was like doing, trying to do research and like just going around seeing if I could find any street vendors because I re- that was something I really wanted to highlight and I couldn't find any. So then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to try doing it myself. And I think at that point in the YouTube landscape, maybe there were like one or two, maybe just one, like big media companies that have done it, but it was done by, um, like, you know, non non POC person is done by like a white male. And I just felt like I want to be able to represent this. You know, I, I don't know, I just, I don't know if I should keep talking about this. But I think for me, it was very important to like, I wanted I wanted to see somebody like me making something that meant so much from my culture, right? I mean, Dragon Beer's Candy to me was was something that was tied so closely to my childhood. I used to have a lot of it growing up and I was, it was something that I know I really wanted to share. And so that's how I ended up weaving sort of my personal narrative as I was making it. And the feedback was just really great, you know? And I think again, so 
for me, each video is a learning process. I think I kind of just absorb the feedback I get, the comments, and see if it achieved its purpose. Um, and from there, I apply notes to the next video. So I think every video I make, I try to be super intentional about it. Like, what is what am I hoping to do here, and how can I achieve that? You know, and and the way and the way I um sort of titled that video too was was also intentional in the sense of like I wanted it to reach as many people as possible you know I think that's why I didn't call it even though dragon beard candy is also a very cool name I wanted it to be referred to in a way that is relatable to the general Mm -hmm. American audience which is why I chose to use cotton candy instead because cotton candy is something that is very familiar to everyone whereas the idea of hand-pulled cotton candy adds that sort of novelty to it so it's kind of tying the novel thing with something that's familiar so then you hook the people in and then you give them more of like a background right like give them more context so so I think that's the same rubric that I still do now you know up up, up to this day of like when I do my videos I want to be able to hook people in but then teach them something not teach I don't want to use the word teach but I want to hook people in and then hopefully they can walk away feeling like they picked up on something new yeah that was a long answer no that's so good i i'm glad that like you it seems like you really have like a lot to talk about in terms of like why you make the content that you make um and like what the intention is behind all of it like it's really like it's really cool to see you get like so excited about like the videos that you're making because they're so personal to you thank you thank you yeah i, <laughs> I just talk this <laughs> good um yeah uh this was I mean this kind of answered one of the questions that I was gonna ask you anyways because I wanted to know more about um like how you've like incorporated your cultural background into your videos um I think the biggest example in my mind was like worth it and like how like you all went to Taiwan and like I watched your like behind the scenes vlog of like you know like being there like and like translating for them and like you know, informing them on, like, the, you know, the culture of, like, and the details of, like, what is, like, going on, um, but, yeah, I think, like, is that where you find yourself, like, being the most comfortable? Is that, like, where you want to, like, keep going? Yeah, um, when you say is, like, is that what you're referring to, is it, like, my role in Worth It Taiwan specifically? with your content with like about to eat and stuff um like when you like making the dishes with like Alvin and Andrew together um it's like you're always putting like your own spin on it based on your childhood and like based on your upbringing right um is that something that you want to like continue to do more of or is the like is that like where you're um (laughs) is that is that where you're like the most comfortable like being right now and like informing other people about I guess like Chinese culture is it something I want to continue doing it's definitely something I do want to continue doing you know I think I, I I this is how I phrase it but I think it's something that I think is unique to me like my perspective my upbringing it's something that I want to be able to share with people because I don't feel like it's something that um any uh, just anybody could bring to the table you know which is why it's important to me um but at the same time you know um 
wait, hold on before I, before I move on to that, but I was going to say, but because, but it's also because I find, I truly find so much joy in it. You know, I, I think um, like going with the worth it crew to worth it Taiwan was, was so great because some of them have never been to Taiwan before, you know, they never experienced like Taiwanese food. Um, and so for me, I got literally so excited throughout the trip because I was like, did you know that there is this thing around this street? Have you tried this bubble tea, but like this specific flavor? Do you know what stinky tofu? You know, like I literally was just like trying to throw things out and like telling them like being unnecessarily I mean, I'm always unnecessarily talkative, but I literally was like so excited um, no matter where we go. Like you can probably see it too when um, we did that like interstitial at like Sunny Hills, like for pineapple cakes. And I remember just telling them like, you you guys have to go to this place. It's so good. <laughs> and like you, you see it a little bit in the BTS too, how I was literally like talking to people and I was like just giving them like samples. I was like, you have to try this. You have to try this. Um, but also Sunny like- Sunny Hills is a legend. <laughs> Dude, yes! Like, Sunny Hills is so good. And um, and even just, like, the, the way they, like, oh, okay, this is not, we're not talking about that today. But um, I was also going to say, like, and, like, there were so many moments that was, like, uh, I don't even remember, but, like, in Worth It Dumpling, the first place we went to, um, Yo Mama Sui Jin Bao, um, it was, like, that moment It was moment a recommendation, when, right? Yeah, from your yeah, grandma? But, um, no, it was from my, well, my family also went there. And also, I think my friend, it was also like one of my friend's favorite places. Um, so yeah, I think there's just like a lot of little, some of my favorite things sprinkled into the series. So I'm like, really happy about it. But I think what brought me a lot of joy on that trip was just seeing the Worth It crew's reaction to it. And at the moment I was going to refer to was when Andrew tried for the first time soy milk. Um, in Taiwan and just like the shock on his face of like this is what soy milk tastes like <laughs> like I was like yes yes dude this is the soy milk I grew up having and he was just like this is so amazing like I've never had anything like this and like I live for moments like that when I can share with somebody they didn't know and then they truly enjoy it you know I, I think and because that brings me so much joy it's something I always want to do in, in my content like if there's something I can introduce that I think people will like of course I want to do it, you know, but I, what I was also going to say is that at the same time, though, I don't want to be just confined to that either. You know, I mean, I do it because I want to, but I also want to highlight different cultures, right? I also want to use my narrative of like, I want to learn more about the world and I want people to learn through me. And that's why I think now with a lot of the the videos I'm doing, I'm trying to test a little bit with that like so whether it's like the most recent 24 hours I did of like only cooking Korean foods for 24 hours um we're developing that a little bit to hopefully allow me to explore more um so so a little bit of both you know I want to do things where I can like am I comfortable doing what I'm doing now yes but I also want to break out of my comfort zone and do different things you know I, I feel like there's there's just so much out there in the world that we don't know of and that's why, like, I think, like, About to Eat is so exciting for us because it is literally about trying to break out of our comfort zone and trying to learn more about the world, you know, whether it's with us or through us. One of the reasons why I like your content a lot and, like, About to Eat content a lot is because it's so personal to each person. The latest, like, potato video that Andrew made is just because oh, yeah. he was, like, interested in potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's so good. What you said about, like, expanding your platform to highlight other voices is really cool as well within the scope of this kind of like 
Asian American content, a lot of it is like focused on like East Asian stuff. Um, we hear about like boba and like Korean fried chicken or like K barbecue like a lot. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see you like branching out into new things as well. Is there anything that like you specifically like want to try or want to do? I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of, but to your point of like, I think even when we talk, I mean, I think we're, I'm also trying to expand beyond Asia. I think that the reason I always do like, um, oh wait, no, I should say, no, I shouldn't say it. I was going to say what my next video was. But... <laughs> I, was I mean, say... it'll probably be released by the time oh, this comes true, out. That's true, that's true, that's true. No, but, no, but I agree, I agree to your point of like how I feel like East Asia has a lot of coverage already and that's why I think one of the things I really want to do is also kind of highlight the different things about like well for me specifically like different cuisines in like Southeast Asia and South Asia because there's so much amazing food there and obviously so expand to like different continents as well you know um but um yeah because so like so like some of my my upcoming videos will feature more of that hopefully um Hi. yeah <laughs> but yeah I think um but it's always it's always about finding that balance of like you know because ultimately I I think because I the reason I do no I shouldn't say this sorry I keep on cutting myself because I was gonna say like how you know I grew up in East Asia so of course I want to be able to speak to my experience you know growing up mm -hmm. in East Asia but at the same time I want to keep in mind that like uh, I that's why I'm saying I want to find a balance of like representing my own story but also yeah highlighting other perspectives i think that's always something i'm trying to be very mindful of because it always makes the most sense when like the person who's telling the story is like the person who like went through it right like mm -hmm. that's how you make the most like impactful type mm -hmm. of stories it's like the one that you went through because like you know how to tell it um but yeah like i i'd love to see like what else you guys come up with me too <laughs> How is working through quarantine? I I watched the recent Q and A video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I keep referencing like I, I I'm I'm just like showing how much time I spent watching your videos. Hey, um, I mean nothing wrong with that. Um, but how is it like working through quarantine? Um, continuing to make food content because it's like something that usually has to be very like in person, very like on site type of like preparation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, truth to be told, you know, I think for me, when quarantine first started, I, I was saying that, like, my coping method of like, adapting to situations is just like, okay, if something changes, I'm just gonna throw myself into work. So literally, I think once quarantine started, and they were like, okay, you have to work from home, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna film stuff and just make things happen. Um, so I think the first video I did was like Dalgona coffee, which was like the quarantine, the quintessential quarantine coffee at that point. Yes. Um, but I think it, it really gave a lot of producers, like, I think the opportunity to, I shouldn't say the opportunity, but I think the challenge really was actually doing everything by yourself, right? Like you have to cook, but also film and like you have to change the angles and things like that. So it, mm -hmm. it was definitely a challenge to, I think in terms of time management, it was definitely a challenge because, you know, something that maybe normally takes one hour to cook will now take three to four hours because you have to edit the, if you watch the Q&A, you, you know, right? Like how, if you have to get a certain angle, you have to 
the timing has to be right. And like, like for example, I was making souffle pancakes for one video. Mm-hmm. And by the time I finished taking B-roll, it was already deflated. So for the thumbnail, I had to make it again, like a fresh batch of souffle pancakes. So, so it was definitely like a struggle. Um, and I also think of how like the way I adapted to the situation, this is talk, I think this is to talk a little bit about just like mental health, because I think for me, kind of throwing myself into constant con- content creation, just burned me out really bad because I couldn't, I didn't know when to stop also working from home, you know, because your office and your home is the same place. You, you really don't know when to draw the line. And for me, it was, I think just like very tax, it got to a point where it was very exhausting because Mm -hmm. I also wasn't talking to people very much. I miss my friends a lot, you know, I wasn't going out to events. So yeah, I think, um, Quarantine definitely was a, I mean, not was, because we're still in quarantine. But um, I mean, I think this whole pandemic, um, and just like staying at home was definitely a period of time where, you know, I think it was very volatile, you know, sometimes things are going well. And then sometimes you really do need to take a step back, like I needed to take a step back sometimes just to breathe a little and like step out of that headspace before I dove back in. Um, Yeah, so, you know, I think, I think, we definitely pivoted and adapted, but, you know, I think ultimately we're, we're also human. So just knowing when to take a break and, um, yeah, reset. Uh, but, but yeah. But how do you feel like yourself as like an Asian slash Asian American woman, like being on like a giant platform, like Buzzfeed, how does that like affect slash inform the way that you move through these different spaces where like, you kind of have to like teach your coworkers about stuff um, or like tell them like about like your culture and things like that. Yeah, it, it, that's a good question because, you know, I think for me, I have always been very aware of my identity as an Asian, Asian American female. You know, I think that's something that I take very seriously in terms of like representation. And I think that's why in in my videos, I, it's not that I want to limit myself to only creating that type of content um, that reflects that narrative. But I just feel like because we don't see enough of it that I want to do more content that that highlights that, you know, Um, whether it's using my voice to to talk about something or introduce something new, like with my team. And, but I, I think at the same time, right, I think I've been during my time at BuzzFeed New York, I've been blessed with a team that is very receptive to me kind of sharing my culture. And I cannot stress the importance of that because then you're encouraged to make more things like that. And so, yeah, I'm very thankful to my team as well of how they've been just like very encouraging of like, they're like, no, you should use this opportunity to highlight your voice. Um, And they, because they agree that that narrative isn't told enough. So yeah, I think I... Of course, though, you know, it, it, it is also to the extent of like, but ultimately we are like, like, I think BuzzFeed does place emphasis on virality and things like that. So it is about reframing it in a way that can reach a broader audience, which is something I work really hard on. But um, yeah, I think ultimately for me, I mentioned this, I think earlier, but I've always tried to be very intentional about that. You know, I, I always want my videos to have more meaning than just being entertaining. Um, so, so yeah, I think even when I no matter what video I do, I always want it to answer sort of those questions. And and that's why I always refer back to my upbringing or like my cultural values, because 
that's something I can't ignore. And I don't want to be ignored. You know, I want people to know that like that has shaped my perspective, you know, um, does that answer the question? No, yeah, that totally answers it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have so much respect for it. Cause it's like, um, I think a lot of people are like, oh yeah, Buzzfeed, that's like, so like clickbaity or like whatever. But I think it's really cool that you're out here making very like genuine and like specific content to like what you know. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think that's the other thing. I feel like we have this opportunity to be on that's yeah, that's the other thing. I feel like we have this opportunity to be on such a huge platform. We have such a wide reach. And I just don't want that opportunity to go to waste, you know, like, because like, I, I always say, you know, yes, we should cater to our audience, but we can also shape our audience, you know, we can also use our content to to reach beyond this audience or just teach them to think about this, these things in a different way, you know? So, so yeah, for sure. I, I hope that's something I can continue doing because that means a lot to me. We finish up every show with a Dear Asian Americans letter. So that is a letter that starts addressed to everyone as Dear Asian Americans. Um, so think about it as if you're writing a short letter to all of our listeners and to the larger uh, Asian American Pacific Islander community. So is there any like message, advice, thought or insight that you would want to share about yourself, about your personal journey to all of these people? Dear Asian Americans, I think it's really easy for us to forget that, you know, we each all have our own stories to be told. And I think it's important for us not to undermine that because, you know, what might not seem unique to you might be really unique to somebody else. And I know that for me, when I started honing into my identity and what I was interested in, that actually helped me and gave me strength. So I just want to encourage people, encourage all of you to not be afraid to share your stories and to continue making opportunities for yourself and things will happen. I really enjoyed talking to you because, I mean, I, I really have been following your videos for a very long time and I hope I can also make cool content in the future. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on YouTube or on Instagram at Inka T.Y. Lamb. I'm also on TikTok, but um, find me on Instagram and YouTube. That's where I mostly will be. All right. Thank you so much. Um, it was such a pleasure having you today. This has been a great episode. Thank you all for listening if you've made it this far. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. <laughs>